Let me ask those who want us to stay. How many more, how many thousands more Americans' daughters and sons were you willing to risk? How long would you have them stay? Good question, Mr. President. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Santa Barbara, 98.7 FM, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Up in, or- uh, no, not in Oregon yet, up in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Now, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. And yes, we stream coast to coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, amongst others. Every damn day of the week. Yes, at least five days a week. Blanketing planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. And actually, some good news. You heard Joe uh, Biden reference there at the uh, top of the show about the U.S. finally getting out of Afghanistan. We'll get to that in a little bit. But part of our conversation on yesterday's program revolving around Trump's ongoing Donald Trump's in case you forgot, in case you <laughs> lost track, in case you wanted to Donald Trump's ongoing, seemingly worsening legal woes. Uh, Part of that conversation referenced Trump's unwillingness to pay his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, for all of his hard legal work. And it is hard legal work in, you know, going around the country and lying about a stolen election. Takes a lot of energy. It does. Takes a lot of energy. Takes a lot of hair dye dripping out of your skull. Of course... For all of that uh, and for uh, his his efforts that have resulted in him being sued now by two voting machine companies, uh, both Dominion Voting System and Smartmatic for more than a billion dollars in each suit uh, for that effort. And as thanks, having his license to practice law in New York suspended in the bargain a few weeks ago. Donald Trump just won't give the poor guy any money. Well, funny thing, not long after we got off air, things got still worse for the disgraced former New York City mayor when it comes to his legal license in the nation's capital, the District of Columbia. 
Uh, Court of Appeals there suspended attorney uh, Rudy Giuliani's license to practice law in the district on Wednesday following New York's recent decision to suspend the Trump lawyer over his post-election efforts to overturn Joe Biden's victory. The New York Supreme Court issued an order two weeks ago, quote, immediately suspending Giuliani from the practice of law, saying that Giuliani violated professional rules of conduct through his, quote, demonstrably false and misleading statements about the election. The suspension in New York, which affected Giuliani's ability to practice law there, is not a permanent ban, at least not for now. And Rudy still has the opportunity to make a case, make his case for his license to be reinstated. But in the meantime, the D.C. court said in an order that they had suspended Giuliani's ability to practice law in the district after considering the New York ruling. So all of this now hinges on New York, where Giuliani will be able to contest his suspension in the state at a disciplinary hearing as to whether his license should be restored or whether, and I think this is more likely at this point, whether it is permanently revoked. The Attorney Grievance Committee in New York predicted that Giuliani should expect an unfavorable outcome of that hearing, writing in their ruling a couple of weeks ago that the attorney's alleged misconduct, quote, will likely result in substantial permanent sanctions at the conclusion of these disciplinary proceedings, the attorney grievance committee at the New York Supreme Court wrote in their ruling suspending Giuliani's New York license that in a post-election case in Pennsylvania, Giuliani, quote, himself stated, I don't know what's more serious than being denied your right to vote in a democracy. We agree, the committee said. It is the very reason why espousing false factual information to large segments of the public as a means of discrediting the rights of legitimate voters is so immediately harmful and warrants interim suspension from the practice of law. Normally, they would not they would wait for the, the, the final hearing, but they thought what he did was so egregious. They needed to suspend him right, right now, now <laughs> pending. Wow. That uh, that final hearing uh, that happened in New York and then the D.C. court reacted to it uh, on Wednesday. So all of that, while his apparently former client, I guess, the disgraced former president of the United States refuses to pay Rudy's legal fees or his bills for all of this, even though Trump has raised tens of if not hundreds of millions of dollars in his post-presidency, thanks in no small part to Rudy's false claims that the election was stolen from him last year. Rudy goes out, lies about the election, says it was stolen. Donald Trump makes millions of dollars on it. Rudy loses his law license. Donald Trump won't help him. So sad. Giuliani led the Trump campaign's post-election legal efforts which were ultimately happily unsuccessful and resulted in more than 60 failed court cases. But Giuliani himself personally represented the campaign in just one, uh, just one of these cases in a court in Pennsylvania, which that lawsuit failed as well in both district and appeals court at which Rudy contradicted, you remember, his public statements about the lawsuit by acknowledging during the actual hearing that the case was, quote, not a fraud case that after he had spent 
quite a lot of uh, our time uh, claiming that it was a fraud case. I guess it's different when you're saying it to an actual judge in <laughs> yeah, court. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, because, you know, you got to be careful. You might lose your law license. In addition to his law license suspension uh, and multiple billion-dollar defamation suits from voting companies, as well as two lawsuits brought by members of Congress over his alleged role in inspiring the January 6th deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol. Giuliani is also being separately uh, investigated under uh, by the feds for potentially violating foreign lobbying laws in Ukraine and reportedly in Turkey. Sad. Uh, by the way, Giuliani and Sidney Powell and some other Trump lawyers, I believe, are also now facing similar hearings in the state of Michigan, where they also may find themselves sanctioned in some way for lying about and or trying to steal the 2020 election. We're watching for that in the days ahead, even as Republicans now all over the country are still pretending. I guess some of them actually believe it. But they're otherwise still pretending that the election was stolen from Donald Trump because I guess that's easier than doing things like, you know, coming up with policy and actual intelligent debate on on uh, on things they believe in. I would say it's actually because they realize that their policies are rejected by the majority of Americans. So, oh, yeah. yeah, they've got policies. They just don't want to talk about it. They just don't want to let you know what they are because everybody hates them. So uh, good point, Desi Doyen. And in, uh, in, in actual sad news today, uh, boy, this is yeah, so AP reported last night, also not long after we got off air, that the global death toll from COVID-19 has now surpassed four million as the crisis increasingly becomes a race between vaccines and the highly contagious Delta variant. Now, that may be true in much of the world, but here in the U.S., which still leads the world in COVID-19 deaths overall, with more than 600,000 of them over the past year, that is more than all of the combined deaths in all of the foreign wars that this nation has ever participated in combined. With that, uh, in this country, it seems to remain a race between common sense and idiocy, and I'm pretty sure that idiocy is winning. It is. At least in Missouri. Now, Des, uh, Desi, don't, I didn't even say hi. Hi, Des. <laughs> hi. You know, as, as listeners probably have noticed, Desi and I have a bit of a friendly rivalry when it comes to whose original home state <laughs> has become the most ridiculously right-wing, Trump-loving embarrassment to the nation, which, uh, hands down, on most days, I would say that's Desi's uh, home state of Texas. Yes. But uh, today, sadly, I got to admit, it's my old home state of Missouri. I, I am embarrassed and very sad to say. New York held a ticker tape parade on Wednesday for the healthcare workers and the others who helped the city pull through the darkest days of COVID-19 last year. While authorities in Missouri are struggling to beat back a surge happening now blamed on the fast-spreading Delta variant of the virus and deep resistance in pockets of the state to getting vaccinated at all. Uh, this could be a glimpse of what public health experts have warned may lie ahead for the U.S., even as life gets back to something close to normal, at least in many parts of the country, but with outbreaks in corners of the country, corners that just happen to be the most supportive of Donald Trump, not coincidentally, having the lowest vaccination rates 
And now the highest surge rates. Yes, it is spiking again in these areas. In Missouri, the Springfield area has been hit so hard that one hospital had to borrow ventilators over the 4th of July weekend Mm. and begged on social media for help from respiratory therapists, several of whom volunteered from other states. I mean, this is what we went through last year. Why are we doing this again? Uh, Members of a new federal surge response team also began arriving to help suppress the outbreak in Missouri. I am greatly embarrassed to say that the state now leads the nation in new cases relative to the population. It is also averaging 1,000 cases per day. That is about the same number, 1,000 cases, as the entire Northeast including the big cities in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. My current home state of California, with 40 million people, is posting only slightly higher case numbers than Missouri, which has just 6 million people. Northeastern states have seen cases, deaths, and hospitalizations plummet to almost nothing amid widespread acceptance of the COVID-19 vaccine there. Yes, People, there is a cure for this, essentially, by taking the vaccine before you get sick. Vaccines which work, no matter no matter how many Republicans are still telling themselves in the fever swamps of the internets, and I swear that this is true, that the vaccine has killed more people than the coronavirus. What? That's what they're saying? That is what they are saying. Good Lord. That's actually what they are now telling each other. Back here, meanwhile, in the world of reality, Vermont, for example, has now gone 26 days with new case numbers in single digits, thanks to the vaccines. In Maryland, the governor's office said every death recorded in the month of June was in an unvaccinated person. Mm. By the way, that's a Republican governor in Maryland. New York City, which was the epicenter of the U.S. outbreak in the spring of 2020 when the number of dead peaked at over 800 a day. Well, uh, regularly, New York City goes entire days with zero reported deaths. Now, how do you suppose that happened? The problem in Missouri, as health experts see it, is that just 45 percent of the state's residents have received at least one dose of the vaccine. Some rural counties near Springfield have vaccination rates in the teens oh dear. and the 20s. Cases have increased 45 percent statewide over the past two weeks, with hospitalizations rising 24 percent, according to data tracking by The New York Times. Numerous counties across the state have high per capita infection rates, some as high as one in seven residents infected. Many of the counties with the highest daily new cases are clustered in Missouri's southwest corner, Taney County, Home to the popular tourist town of Branson in southwest Missouri has seen daily cases increase 50 percent in the last two weeks, with hospitalizations increasing by 62 percent down there in Branson. Which, by the way, I know people think it's a you know big right wing uh, Republican uh, place to visit and a area of the world. And that is true. It is. (laughs) But it's really cool. 
it's really fun. It's a neat little place. At least when they're not going through uh, another surge in the coronavirus unnecessarily. A preventable surge. Dallas County, still in Missouri. In Dallas County, cases have increased by 74% Mm. in the last two weeks. Hospitalizations have risen 44%. All of this as the Delta variant is fast becoming the predominant version of the virus in Missouri. And by the way, that Delta variant is also a great big hoax, according to the right wing fever swamps of the Internet. Ars Technica notes, uh, with the combination of low vaccination rates, the fast spread of the Delta variant and a recent holiday, health workers in the state are bracing for things to get much worse in the coming weeks. Ashley Kimberling Kassad, the vice president of clinical services at Cox Health in Springfield, told the Associated Press, our our projections are only showing us continuing to go up. We generally see an increase in hospitalizations about two weeks after big events. So knowing it was a holiday weekend and probably lots of people spending time with family and friends and with our vaccination rates so low here, we are going to expect that in two weeks it gets really Really busy. Dr. Chris Baer, a, an infectious disease epidemiologist at uh, Johns Hopkins, said, quote, I'm afraid that this is very predictable. If politicians seize on this and say, who could have predicted this? The answer is every licensed epidemiologist in the country. Mercy Hospital in Springfield reported Tuesday that it had more than 120 patients hospitalized with COVID. That's the highest total since the pandemic began. 17 people died in the last two-week reporting period in the county that surrounds Springfield. That is the most since January. None of those who died were vaccinated. The uh, Mercy Mercy's chief administrative officer Uh, said that staff members are frustrating knowing that this is a preventable disease at this time because of the vaccine. We are trying to convince people, but it's almost like you are talking a different language, he lamented. There is no way they are going to get a vaccine. Their personal freedom is more important. Personal freedom to die, I guess. Missouri also never had a statewide mask mandate throughout all of this. The sentiment against government intervention is so strong that Brian Steele, the mayor of the Springfield suburb of Nixa, is facing a recall vote because he imposed a mask rule, even though that mask rule has long since expired. He's still facing a recall for it. At Springfield's other hospital, Cox South, several patients are in their 20s and 30s. Just in case you think you're young, you're not going to get this thing. Citing the rise in cases, the Springfield School District has now reinstated its mask requirement for its summer program beginning on Wednesday. The contrasting scenes in the U.S. with a ticker tape parade in New York versus what's going on in places like Missouri. This comes as the worldwide death toll from COVID-19 has now surpassed 4 million. COVID-19 deaths nationwide are down to around 200 per day from a peak of over 3,500 per day in January. But the numbers are heading back up in Trump country. And though the vaccines are largely holding the line against the most severe forms of the disease, against the 
the, the, the Delta variant, the more who remain unvaccinated, the more deadly those variants are likely to become, which means our current vaccinations, our current vaccines may or may not at that point still be effective against them. So for those of you who think, oh, well, you know what, it's just a bunch of Trumpers who are getting sick and dying. While that may be the case right now, it, that may not stay the case in the months ahead unless these folks can finally have some sense talked into them, which right now, anyway, feels all but impossible. Nonetheless, with cases surging again in the show me state, what is it that the right wing legislature and governor are doing about it in my old home state? Well, according to the Missouri Independent, a new surge of covid cases as it overtakes the state, businesses, healthcare providers, and houses of worship will soon be shielded from most COVID related lawsuits under a bill signed by Republican Governor Mike Parson on Wednesday. Senate Bill 51 provides sweeping protections for businesses uh, unless a very high standard of proof can be met. Uh, this uh, bill was killed and revived in the last weeks of the legislative session in the state and ultimately passed in the session's final hours, despite some lawmakers' concerns about its scope. The bill became the last remaining option to pass COVID liability protections, which was one of Parsons' top priorities for the session. And when I say let me underscore liability protections. That's his top concern, not disease protection, not virus protection, but liability protections for businesses. As he signed the bill from the state capitol on Wednesday in Jefferson City, Parsons said this is to protect businesses. The last thing we need to do is punish anybody for trying to help in the middle of a crisis or a pandemic. Under the bill, plaintiffs would have to prove harm occurred as a result of, quote, recklessness or willful misconduct. Religious organizations like churches in this bill, they are explicitly exempt from being held liable for alleged exposure of the virus unless the plaintiffs, quote, can prove intentional misconduct. Is it intentional to uh, hold a church service with hundreds of people crowded together if you're in a county where the infection rate has spiked 72 percent over the past two weeks? I don't know. The bill also notes that it does not prevent lawsuits for vaccine related injuries. Hmm. Hundreds of businesses and the Missouri Chamber of Commerce and Industry supported this legislation. They said it was necessary to protect businesses and close the door on these opportunistic lawsuits, of which there have been next to none. Backers of the legislation had been working for its passage since the spring of 2020, where previous protections failed to be passed that session. Yes, for a year, they have been working hard to protect businesses while allowing, you know, people across the state to to just die. And now they're noting that, as one lawmaker did, that we're seeing a surge in the virus recently. And so I actually think this legislation is going to become even more meaningful in the future. <laughs> I'll bet it does. Uh, stressing that the bill would help ensure schools to remain open for in-person learning. Oi, no matter how many Missourians are killed in the bargain.
Just it's unbelievable. A, it's yeah. also a strike against all of the essential workers, the grocery store workers, yeah. the janitors, yeah. all those people who are forced to work in indoor situations where they are exposed to these people mm-hmm. who have COVID and they will not be able to then uh, get any kind of uh, assistance uh, yeah. from this, this bill that prevents them from yeah, suing it's really, for recklessness. Yeah, it's really hard to prove negligence in these cases uh, under this law. And that's what uh, Missouri state lawmakers are concerned about. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with, uh, well, some cheerier news, uh, like getting out of Afghanistan, finally. And if uh, time allows here, a, a top executive at Fox is turning, finally, on Fox News and its CEO, Rupert Murdoch, for all of the damage that they have wrought in this country. And, oh, yeah, some uh, our Green News report. Yeah. is back with uh, a big while we were out report and sadly uh, there was plenty while we were out though uh, happily some of it is not terrible all of that and more is straight ahead on the broadcast I'm Brad Friedman Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So, yeah, President Joe Biden on Thursday said the U.S. military mission in Afghanistan, where some 2,500 U.S. troops have been killed, 20, over 20,000 of them wounded over the past 20 years. Uh, that mission will conclude, he announced today on August 31, just ahead of his goal to pull Uh, the country out before the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks in 2001. Uh, The president said speed is safety as the U.S. seeks to end the nearly 20-year war, our longest ever. We did not go to Afghanistan to nation build, Biden said in a speech to update his administration's ongoing efforts to wind down the U.S. war there. Afghan leaders have to come together and drive toward a future. The United States did what we went to do in Afghanistan, to get the terrorists to attack us on 9-11 and deliver justice to Osama bin Laden, and to degrade the terrorist threat to keep Afghanistan from becoming a base from which attacks could be continued against the United States. We achieved those objectives. That's why we went. We did not go to Afghanistan to nation-build. And it's the right and the responsibility of the Afghan people alone to decide their future and how they want to run their country. The president also amplified the justification of his decision to end U.S. military operations, even as the Taliban now make rapid advances 
insignificant swaths of the country. It's not going to be pretty. The administration in recent days has repeatedly sought to frame ending the conflict as a decision that Biden made after concluding that it is an unwinnable war and one that simply does not have a military solution. Let me ask those who want us to stay. How many more, how many thousands more Americans, daughters and sons are you willing to risk? How long would you have them stay? Already we have members of our military whose parents fought in Afghanistan 20 years ago. Would you send their children and their grandchildren as well? Would you send your own son or daughter? After 20 years, a trillion dollars spent training and equipping hundreds of thousands of Afghan national security and defense forces. 2,448 Americans killed. 20,000 722 more wounded and untold thousands coming home with unseen trauma to their mental health. I will not send another generation of Americans to war in Afghanistan with no reasonable expectation of achieving a different outcome. The United States cannot afford to remain tethered to policies creating a response to a world as it was 20 years ago. We need to meet the threats where they are today. Today, the terrorist threat has metastasized beyond Afghanistan. So we are repositioning our resources and adapting our counterterrorism posture to meet the threats where they are now. Joe Biden said he did not trust the Taliban, but trusted the capacity of the Afghan military to defend the government. We'll see if that trust has been uh, Mislaid. Uh, Biden said that it was, quote, highly unlikely that one government will control Afghanistan after the U.S. pullout. He urged the Afghan government to reach a deal with the Taliban. He added that there is no, quote, mission accomplished moment here as the U.S. war comes to an end. U.S. forces earlier this week vacated Bagram Airfield, the U.S. epicenter of the conflict for so many years as they work to oust the Taliban and hunt down uh, al-Qaeda perpetrators of the 2001 terror attacks on the U.S., which triggered the war. Remaining U.S. troops are now concentrated in Kabul, the capital. The Pentagon said the U.S. commander in Afghanistan, General Scott Miller, is expected to end his tour of duty later this month as final arrangements are made for a reduced U.S. military mission there. Meanwhile, Biden continues to face pressure from congressional lawmakers to offer further detail on how he intends to go about assisting thousands of Afghans who helped the U.S. military over the past 20 years as translators and drivers and in other jobs who are now very justifiably fearful that they're going to be targets of the Taliban once the U.S. withdrawal is complete in the uh, next few weeks. The White House says the administration has identified U.S. facilities outside of the continental U.S., as well as third countries where... Uh, so they're talking about Guam there and then third countries... Uh, where evacuated Afghans would potentially stay while their visa applications are being processed. Why it would take that long to process those applications for these people who you know, have worked with U.S. forces for so many years is a separate question. 
But yeah, I guess we can't let them in immediately. We're going to leave them in a U.S. territory like Guam or in third-party countries while we take our sweet time and process those visas. Biden added that 2,500 Afghans have been granted special immigrant visas since he took office in January. Our message to those uh, women and men is clear, Biden said today. There is a home for you in the United States. If you so choose, we will stand with you just as you stood with us. Well, I hope that is true. Uh, President Biden said the U.S. will continue humanitarian and development aid in the nation. He took questions from reporters after his uh, rep- after his prepared remarks, uh, one of which was from Caitlin Collins, whether all of this, the thousands of lives lost, the trillion dollars spent over the past 20 years, if all of it was worth it. The president paused to carefully choose his response to that question. Were the last 20 years worth it? You know my record. I can tell by the way you asked the question. I opposed permanently having American forces in Afghanistan. I argued from the beginning, as you may recall, it came to light after the administration was over, lasted in our administration. No nation has ever unified Afghanistan. No nation. Empires have gone there and not done it. The focus we had, and I strongly supported, and you may remember, I physically went to Afghanistan. I was up in that pass where Osama bin Laden was allegedly escaped or out of harm's way. We went for two reasons. One, to bring Osama bin Laden to the gates of hell, as I said at the time. The second reason was to eliminate al-Qaeda's capacity to deal with more attacks in the United States from that territory. We accomplished both of those objectives, period. That's what I believe from the beginning, why we should be and why we should have gone to Afghanistan. That job had been over for some time. And that's why I believe that this is the right decision and, quite frankly, overdue. So I got to say, you know, of all of the... Uh, decisions he has had to make so far, at least the ones that we know about. This is obviously uh, the riskiest one. Perhaps you could say the most courageous one. We will see how it uh, how it turns out. Uh, you know, a lot of this is going well. There's a few things that this is going to depend on, of course, how well he uh, is able to get those translators and drivers and 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 so forth out True. of Afghanistan safely. Uh, if he screws that up, this is going to be uh, is going to come at a high cost in in many ways. But, you know, so that's a risk. And it looks pretty clear right now that the Taliban is pretty much going to overrun the place as soon as we're out. And how that is dealt with, how that is treated, how that is uh, focused on by the media, by lawmakers, by Fox News, which, as you know, runs this country at hmm. this time. They set the, d- the agenda. They do. And, um, you know, I think no matter how well it goes, Fox News is going to be against it. I think that a case can be made that we wouldn't have been in 
Afghanistan this long, if not for Fox News. I would agree with that. Republicans are going to demonize no matter what Biden chooses to do, no matter what his his decisions were, it would always be the wrong thing. And they're going to run on whatever it was. Doesn't matter. It's bad because Biden did it. Because Biden did Um, it. But I I would say that... um, They were all in favor of, by the way, when Donald Trump was doing it. Just want to note that when he was talking about pulling people out. They had no problem with that. That's how that works for them. Um, And I believe that, yes, absolutely, that there are folks in the Republican Party who absolutely would want to send other people's children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren to Afghanistan in perpetuity because it benefits them politically. But I think that if you As long as it's not their children or grandchildren. Absolutely. Other people's children. That's what they do. Um, And I think you can ask. I I would like to hear from more actual Afghanistan veterans. I know that the veterans of Afghanistan wars and my family, and there are several of them, are all very, very glad. Are they? Yes, that this is uh, finally ending and that the U.S. military is pulling out because they do not see there being any solution to the U.S. being there that will change anything that's there right now. Good to know. And, you know, as far as all the money that was spent, uh, Joe Biden mentioned a trillion dollars there. You know what? You know, we, you know what we could have spent that same trillion dollars on over the past 20 years. Uh, we could have used it to prevent our current climate emergency. Wouldn't that have been a great idea? Had we spent a trillion dollars, imagine where we would be now. Wow. And I mention this uh, not only because, uh, Desi, you've got our first Green News report since the 4th of July break uh, coming up here momentarily, but also because, oh, you're going to love this one, Des. (laughs) Okay. Right-wing media mogul Rupert Murdoch's empire is about to extend to an unexpected realm this fall. Weather news. <laughs> did you know that? Had I you did. heard about that? Yes, we didn't have time and yeah. room for it in today's DNR, but we'll do yeah. it next week. Fox Weather will be a 24-hour streaming service that will, according to Fox, in an interview with the New York Times, provide, quote, in-depth reporting surrounding all weather conditions by a, quote, dedicated team of leading meteorologists and experts. Uh, It is unclear yet how Fox Weather will address the climate change crisis, however. Uh, Its sister channel, as you know, Fox News, has notoriously given platform to climate change deniers uh, multiple times over the years uh, and even recently, even with everything that's been going on across the country. Uh, with a hurricane, one of the uh, earliest hurricanes on record coming into Florida, one of the worst heat waves on record uh, hitting the Pacific Northwest and Canada. One guest on Tucker Carlson's program just a couple of weeks ago falsely called climate change, quote, a fiction (laughs) of the media. That was less than three weeks ago as parts of this country and Canada were literally on the verge of all time record high temperatures, including 121 degrees in Canada, as we will discuss momentarily in the GNR. In fact, Fox and other Murdoch owned outlets boosting of climate change denialism has reportedly been a source of tension between uh, Rupert Murdoch himself and his son James, who's an advocate for environmentalism. The media tycoon has described himself as a climate change skeptic, naturally. Uh, Well, he is now being called out for that and for his other dangerous lies that have broken this country in two 
over the past couple of decades. Uh, he's being called out by an uh, somewhat unlikely source, a former longtime Fox executive who had been with the network since its inception in the 1980s, even before it added the Fox News channel to its offerings, blasted Rupert Murdoch and Fox News in an op-ed at the Daily Beast this week for sowing lies about COVID-19 and the 2020 presidential election. Good for him. Preston Padden, uh, who worked directly under Murdoch, for seven years, he claimed in the Daily Beast that he had spent the, the past nine months trying to, quote, with increasing bluntness to get Rupert to understand the real damage that Fox News is doing to America. I failed, Padden writes, and it was arrogant and naive to ever have thought I could have succeeded. Patton served as president of network distribution at Fox Broadcasting Company. He was once described by the New York Times as Murdoch's chief in-house lobbyist during the uh, Clinton administration. But in recent years, Patton wrote on Monday, things have gone badly off the tracks at Fox News. In recent years, in recent years, Patton. Things have gone badly off the track at Fox News. Fox News is no longer a truthful center-right news network. <laughs> no longer. I know. Center-right. Uh, the channel, he writes, especially the leading primetime opinion programming, has contributed substantially and directly to, and then he lists a whole bullet point uh, list of stuff, has uh, contributed substantially and directly to the unnecessary deaths of many Americans by disparaging the wearing of life-saving COVID masks, divisions in our society by stoking racial animus and fueling the totally false impression that Black Lives Matter and Antifa are engaged in nightly, life-threatening riots across the country, the unnecessary deaths of many Americans by fueling hesitation and doubt about the efficacy and safety of life-saving COVID-19 vaccines, he says, Fox News provided me examples of pro-mask vaccine on-air comments, but in my opinion, they were heavily outweighed by the negative comments of the highly rated primetime opinion hosts. Former pre The bullet list continues. Former President Trump's big lie that the election was stolen from him by providing a continuous platform for wild and false claims about the election. Claims refuted by more than 60 judges, Republican state election officials, recounts in numerous states and Trump's own attorney general and the January 6, 2021 violent assault on the U.S. Capitol by continually promoting former President Trump's Stop the Steal rally. That's a lot of bad stuff, none of which included their lies about climate. Go figure. We'll take what we can get. He went on to say Fox News has caused millions of Americans, most of them Republicans, as my wife and I were for 50 years, to believe things that are simply not true. For example, Yahoo News reported that 73% of Republicans now blame, quote, left-wing protesters for the January 6th attack on the Capitol. 73% of Republicans now blame left-wing protesters for the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. How much further off the rails do you have to be? To I mean, he goes on to write, of course, that is ludicrous. All one has to do is look at the pictures or videos of the attacks to see that the violent mob was comprised of Trump supporters 
Of course, I don't know how much they show the pictures and the videos of the attacks on uh, on Fox News of that violent mob. Similarly, he notes a poll uh, by uh, SSRS in late April found that two thirds of Republicans now either believe or suspect that the election was stolen from Trump. Sixty percent saying there is, quote, hard evidence that the election was stolen. Did you know that, Des? There's hard evidence. Good Lord. I guess they're keeping it secret. I haven't seen it. I've looked. Mm, haven't seen it. Uh, as noted above, he says this ridiculous notion has been thoroughly refuted, but millions of Americans believe these falsehoods because they have been drilled into their minds night after night by Fox News. And again, this is a longtime Fox executive who worked directly under Rupert Murdoch for years saying these things. This is not me. This is what I have been warning about year after year after year, how this brainwashing is just destroying not just this country, but destroying these actual people, destroying actual smart people. I'm sure everyone listening to this show right now has very smart people in their family who are somehow dumb enough to believe the crap that they hear on Fox News, that they hear from right-wing media. Why? Because they have been brainwashed, because it has been drilled into their heads day after day after day, night after night on Fox News. And then, by the way, they get into their cars and they don't hear me. They don't hear the broadcast. They don't hear people who actually tell you the independently verifiable truth. They hear more people who watched Fox News last night who are repeating the crap and the lies that they heard on Fox News. And so it reinforces that crap to the point where they believe it is real. They believe it. They're not stupid. Well, many of them are not stupid. Many of them in my family who are very smart, who are doctors and lawyers, uh, they're not stupid, yet they believe this crap. Propaganda works. That's why yeah. the Nazis did it. Yep. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've been trying to make this point for years now. Oftentimes I'm called a, uh, a, a, a partisan because I point this out. Oh, you're just a Democrat. No, I'm not a Democrat. I'm just someone who's willing to tell you the truth. And I'm willing to do it over your public airwaves. So uh, the uh, uh, Pat Patton goes on to write, the greatest irony is that I don't believe that most of the falsehoods on Fox News actually reflect Rupert Murdoch's own views. Noting, among other things, that Murdoch himself received a COVID-19 vaccine months ago and had encouraged Patton to do the same. What's more, Patton wrote, quote, I believe that he thinks that former president uh, Donald Trump is an egomaniac who lost the election by turning off voters, especially suburban women, with his behavior. So that's what Rupert Murdoch believes. He's not an idiot. And yet, he lets this crap go out, the lies, day after day uh, over his news network, quote unquote news network. Patton concludes, I'm at a loss to understand why Murdoch will not change course. I can only guess that the destructive editorial policy of Fox News is driven by a deep seated vein of anti-establishment contrarian thinking in Rupert that at age 90 is not going to change. Actually, I would suggest that the reason is much easier to understand. There is a whole crapload of money to be made in scamming Americans. Exactly. And that's no matter how much damage it does to the nation, to the world, and even 
to the planet itself. Speaking of which, Green News Report is next. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to the Bradcast. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. So, uh, Desi Doyen, you mentioned over the break that you had been reading about this Fox Weather Channel, and and it comes because uh, cable news. Uh, yeah, so so cable news viewership is pretty much yeah. down these days now that Trump is no longer goosing ratings for everybody. Sad. And so, um, media, uh, the media sector that's the fastest growing is weather reporting, and I think that has huh. to do a lot with the um, the increase in extreme weather events. People are are hungry for more information about what the hell is going on with the. Weather because of climate change. And so even though Fox News has been lying about climate change all of these years, as it gets worse, now they are actually profiting off of it because people are suddenly wondering what the hell is going on. So Fox News is going to say, well, we'll tell you what's going on. Here's a weather channel. Exactly. And so now you can get not only your right wing media news, you can get your right wing weather that will tell you the only things about the weather that you want to hear. Jesus Christ. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get right wing weather. We are politicizing the weather at this point. Which they have done at Fox News yeah. for years now, and so that's going to, I fear, going to get much worse. I think your fears will be bared out. Born out? Born out. There you go. I <laughs> yes. think they will be born out. Uh, and frankly, I think they have been borne out over the past what 12 years now of the Green News Report. Yep. Uh, I think they have been uh, more than borne out, unfortunately, as uh, witnessed once again in our latest Green News Report. Wildfire disaster in British Columbia. It's in the place that just recorded the three hottest days ever in this country. While we were out, historic heat wave kills hundreds, sparks wildfires in Pacific Northwest and Canada. Did we aggressively fight against some of the science? Uh, yes. ExxonMobil lobbyists caught on tape admitting company funds climate denial front groups. Plus, tropical storm Elsa slamming ashore, drenching Florida's Gulf Coast. Record breaker Elsa makes landfall in Florida. All of those broken records and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Uh, In other news, the country is as hot as hell. So at least Cosby has a preview of the afterlife. (laughs) (laughs) This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, we've been gone for a week or two. I know you got a lot to catch up on, (laughs) so I will shut up and keep my snark to a minimum. Okay. Maybe. First up, the first hurricane of the 2021 season, now Tropical Storm Elsa, made landfall on Florida's west coast on Wednesday, killing at least one person. Elsa broke the record for the earliest fifth-named storm, set just last year in the historic 2020 hurricane season. While we were out, an historic heat wave last week parked over the Pacific Northwest and British Columbia, shattered all-time high temperature records, closed schools and businesses, 
melted and broke critical infrastructure and killed at least 800 people, likely more. A tiny town in British Columbia hit a shocking 121 degrees, breaking Canada's all-time highest national temperature. That town was destroyed by wildfire the next day. Let me underscore 121 degrees in Canada. Canadian fire crews are currently battling more than 180 wildfires in British Columbia alone. The extreme heat wave contributed to extreme fire behavior in California as well. The National Interagency Fire Center said this week that 30,000 fires have burned in the U.S., nearly 1.5 million acres so far this year, more than this time last year, the worst fire season in modern history. Things keep getting worse around here, don't they? Marine biologists estimate that a billion shallow water marine animals cooked to death in the Northwest heat wave, finding tens of thousands of dead clams, snails, mussels and sea stars off the coast of Vancouver. And yes, man-made climate change is a factor. A new study released Wednesday by the World Weather Attribution Network has concluded that the historic heat wave would have been, quote, virtually impossible without the influence of man-made climate change. The researchers warn that unless governments reduce greenhouse gas emissions, such extreme heat waves will become more common. I'm starting to think this whole climate change thing may not be a hoax. In politics, two ExxonMobil lobbyists recorded by Green. Greenpeace, posing as a corporate recruiter, admitted that the oil giant is secretly and aggressively blocking climate action, funding the climate science denial industry and dark money front groups to discredit the science linking fossil fuels to climate change. Here's Exxon's top lobbyist, Kevin McCoy. Did we aggressively fight against some of the science? Uh, Yes. Did we join some of these shadow groups uh, to work against? some of the early efforts yes that's true but there's nothing there's nothing illegal about that you know we were looking out for our investments so not illegal but completely entirely immoral well done top Exxon lobbyist. McCoy said Exxon pretends to support a carbon tax while working secretly to ensure it will never pass. He also boasted that Exxon hopes to kill President Biden's infrastructure jobs plan to transition the nation to clean energy and harden infrastructure against the climate impacts that Exxon itself is partly responsible for causing. Years ago, when ExxonMobil started calling for a carbon tax, I said they were doing it because they knew it would never pass, and it was all a publicity stunt. And you were right. Well, that happens. But there is some good news. Congressional Democrats used the Congressional Review Act to restore Obama-era rules requiring the oil and gas industry to stop methane leaks, which former President Trump had canceled. Canada announced it will ban the sale of new conventional gas and diesel burning cars and light-duty trucks starting in 2035, targeting net zero emissions nationwide by 2050. Britain moved up its deadline to end the use of coal-fired electricity to October 2024. Bangladesh canceled plans to build 10 coal-fired power plants, citing cost, and will instead build cheaper renewable energy projects. Nice. And finally, regulators in New Jersey approved two new offshore wind projects to generate clean energy to power more than a million homes. See? It's not all bad. Right. Well done. 
For much more on all of these stories and the ones we're all getting caught up on, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I can't find comfort in the fact that it could be worse. <laughs> yes. It could be worse. It certainly could. I can find some comfort in that these days, frankly. Yeah, yeah well, you know, uh, we're, we're working on it. We're so. working on it. We're working on getting caught up. You take a week off and look what happens. It takes you a <laughs> week to get caught up. Uh, since we laid down our Green News report today, Des, the, uh, well, not hurricane anymore, now tropical storm or depression? Tropical storm, storm Elsa. Elsa. That's according to the Weather Channel, the it, real Weather Channel. One, yeah, one uh, good point of it is that it's moving quickly, so it's not dropping too much rain in any one area, but it is just ripping up the eastern seaboard. Yeah, it's actually going very quickly up the uh, east coast through the northeast. And uh, so people in those areas should watch out for more heavy rain, more winds, more storm surge, which is exceptionally dangerous. And there will likely also be a couple of tornadoes up through the east coast on Friday. So and also it's already hitting areas like New York City. And Mm. one of the major highways in New York City was already shut down because of flooding. Already? Really? Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's how fast it's moving. That's fast moving indeed. So uh, that's both good and bad. The faster it moves, the less water it can drop. Uh, but, but it's still dangerous. Yeah. Be careful out there, I guess is all we can say. Yep. Uh, all right. We got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyne, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download all of them for free at bradblog.com. Uh, That service is made possible, and it has been for almost 20 years now, uh, by folks like you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. No, not folks like you. You. (laughs) You who stop there, bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. Uh, You can drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Bradblog. That is it. Until we meet again next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. My only